care about their car buying journey, provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Whether your customers are online or in-store, Goobagoo is there. See the magic at Goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Monday, January 9th, 2023, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show, sales numbers are in for 2022, and it's a mixed bag at best. Some automakers take exception to U.S. Treasury's direction on EV tax credits, and some Tesla owners in China take exception to surprise price cuts that they missed. Plus, a conversation about how F&I offices can make sound decisions and reduce risk with data. I could have $500 worth of cell phone bills. Um, You could have $100 worth of cell phone bills, and that changes how much we can afford. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The U.S. auto industry finished 2022 much the way it started, fighting through inventory shortages. General Motors and three of its brands rallied in the final sprint of the year. Strong light truck deliveries helped GM achieve a 42% increase in fourth quarter light vehicle sales. GM also reclaimed the title of top automaker in the U.S. in 2022 by nearly 150,000 units after Toyota Motor had snagged the crown in 2021. GM, the market's longtime leader until 2021, reported U.S. deliveries of about two and a quarter million last year. That's up two and a half percent. Toyota Motor sales tallied 2.1 million, down 9.6 percent. Stellantis, Nissan, and Honda continue to struggle with lean inventories and other supply issues. Meanwhile, Ford and Lincoln snapped three-month losing streaks with higher December sales from a year earlier. Hyundai and Kia capped a year of U.S. market share gains with double-digit sales increases in December. That's as industry stockpiles continued to recover amid rising interest rates and the growing prospects of an economic slowdown. Analysts say severe cold and heavy snow across a huge swath of northern states late in the month also likely undermined retail activity as 2022 wound down. U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm says her office is working with the Treasury Department on guidance for EV tax credit eligibility rules. She spoke with automotive news reporter Lindsey Van Hulley after an address Friday at CES in Las Vegas. Granholm says the two agencies are working in a, quote, very interlocked way. Our folks and their folks are talking all the time. We, you know, our policy office is uh, working directly with Treasury to make sure that this guidance is out and it is it's informed by stakeholders. The Inflation Reduction Act had required the Treasury Department to issue the proposed guidance on new EV tax credit eligibility by the end of 2022. Instead, the department said it would offer information about the direction the rules may take. Granholm said it was important to send a signal about which way it's going after Treasury delayed the release of guidance related to requirements for critical minerals and battery components until March. At least two automakers are already pushing back on Treasury's direction on the EV tax incentives. GM wants the agency to reconsider classification of the Cadillac Lyric to allow it to qualify for credits. Treasury and the IRS did not classify the Lyric as an SUV, meaning its retail price cannot be above $55,000 to qualify for up to $7,500 in federal tax credits. The Lyric, which Automotive News classifies as a midsize crossover, currently starts at just under $63,000. 
SUVs can be priced up to $80,000 to qualify. Meanwhile, Tesla CEO Elon Musk recently tweeted the EV tax rules were, quote, messed up. The five-seat version of the Tesla Model Y is considered a car, while the Model Y seven-seat version is treated as an SUV and can qualify for the credit. The Volkswagen ID.4 compact crossover is not classified as an SUV when it's rear-wheel drive, but the all-wheel drive version is. VW declined to comment on Friday. While Tesla objects to Treasury's rules, some of the automakers' customers in China object to recent surprise price cuts that they missed out on. Hundreds of Tesla owners gathered at the automakers' showrooms and distribution centers in China over the weekend demanding rebates. Videos posted on social media showed crowds at Tesla stores and delivery centers in other Chinese cities from Chengdu to Shenzhen, suggesting wider consumer backlash. Tesla responded by apologizing to Chinese consumers for not addressing the complaints in a timely way. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, GM reclaims the title of top U.S. automaker beating out Toyota. Do you see GM having a strong 2023? It seems like light trucks were the secret sauce. Yeah, it could be a pretty good year. You know, GM seems to have a, a better handle on their chip supply than Toyota has for sure this year and last year in 2022. A couple of challenges for them, though, could be as interest rates keep rising, if housing starts slow, that will hurt the big truck market, which GM is much bigger player in than Toyota. And the other thing would be, you know, as GM rolls out more EVs and Toyota continues kind of slow on the EVs, you know, the Electric vehicles take a lot more chips. They tend to have higher prices. So that could hold down GM's volume as well. It's going to be another interesting year. Gotcha. Coming up, a conversation about how lenders and F&I offices can use data to uncover insights for loan affordability. That's next on Daily Drive. Dealers especially have, you know, over the course of the last two years, have proven even more essential. Of course, they were right. deemed essential by the government, even more essential from a consumer standpoint. You know, nothing stands still when you're in the car business. And if you're a dealer, like Jason Stein just told us, you should feel good about the future. You know, that's so true, Mark. And, and there's so much noise out there. So if you're an owner, a general manager, you're in sales or in service, how are you supposed to help your business thrive? Well, look no further. I'm Mark Spoto. And I'm Elliot Short. And we host the Walk Around Podcast, powered by JM&A Group. We talk to leaders who are influencing the automotive landscape today, and we promise you will learn something new with every episode. That's a sure thing. I see what you did there. Do you like that? Well, we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, anyway, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever platform you're listening to. Just search the Walk Around Podcast. People care about their car buying experience, and so do we. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Goobagoo is the leader in conversational commerce for the automotive industry. Our fully managed live messaging services instantly connect consumers to dealers anytime and anywhere through live chat, text, video, and more. Integrated with our fully managed chat, Goobagoo's virtual retailing platform enables consumers to buy cars online directly from the dealership's website through multiple channels. 
We are constantly improving the retailing experience and currently have over 100 integrations with CRMs, DMSs, and third-party applications. Goobagoo transforms the traditional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. Available 24-7, 365, our highly trained chat specialists are there to help. See it for yourself at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Sophisticated data and technology is being employed more and more by F&I managers, but the challenge is figuring out how to bring internal data together with information from third-party data providers to create a comprehensive view of a loan applicant. Brett Collette is vice president of the auto lending vertical at Equifax. He spoke with Automotive News senior editor Dan Shine about how to leverage data to make better lending decisions. Brett. Thanks for joining us on Daily Drive. Thanks, Dan, for having me. So I know you guys are, Equifax is the credit score company, but you're here to talk about data or data, depending on how you like to pronounce it. What's uh, what's your guys' interest in uh, data these days? Yeah, so over the past several years, Equifax has gone out and acquired um, different companies and different data assets or managed different data assets that some refer to as alternative data. Um, I like to refer to it as non-traditional credit data, uh, just because it's it's similar to credit data. Just um, it's not like Facebook messages or anything like that. Um, it is, you know, payment history and um, you know helps helps understand the credit worthiness of of a consumer. Um, it can be positive or negative as well. And over the past couple of years, Equifax has gone through a uh, business transformation where we have shifted everything to the cloud and um, that's our platforms and all of our data. So we've gone through great lengths to make it where now it's easier to obtain and access all of our different data assets from different, from different areas um, where before they're in different silos. So it was a little bit more difficult, but now you can, we can marry those data assets together and help um, give a better, better full picture of the consumer themselves. So, you know, technology is getting more sophisticated, data is getting more sophisticated. Um, tell me a, a little bit of the importance of data these days in, in making decisions and how there seems like there's more data out there. It seems like the decisions would be easier. Um, and then how it's kind of used. I'm like, you know, when we were speaking earlier, you talked a little bit about the, the two customers and, and who might have similar scores, but how the data might be used to kind of get a, get a better look at like their their probability of actually paying their loan. Certainly. And um, yeah, so as I mentioned before, there could be two like consumers, say they both have the exact same credit score today. Well, customer A may have gone through and they might be a 680 today and were a 620 six months ago. So they've obviously improved their their credit standing over the past six months. Whereas customer B might be a 680 today, but he, he or she was a 750 six months ago and has regressed down. So there's trended data that you that can be looked at to help determine is the consumer on the way up or on the way down, which obviously helps with risk. There's also data that Equifax owns where we can tell if they are shopping or if they're um, just the presence of them being in the database of short-term lending and payday loans, 
you know, can help understand, are they struggling to meet their financial requirements today? And then we also have wealth and asset data that can also give a fuller picture of how they're what they able to how they're able to withstand hard times and economic changes um, like we're in today with inflation and higher interest rates. And then we also have the work number data, which a lot of people are familiar with and a lot of people use, which is verified income and employment data, which can also help you understand from either from a dealer or a lender side, which consumers can afford which cars so that when they're on the lot initially, you can put them in the right vehicle. And then once it goes to the lender, they can validate very quickly that the consumer can afford that vehicle and that payment. And you don't have to go back and get pay stubs and those kinds of things. And then the last data set that can help dealers and lenders understand is we have we manage a tel- telco and utility consortium where we get all their payment data. So we've built attributes off of that data that allows a look in to see how much is those how much are those obligations? Because I could have five hundred dollars worth of cell phone bills. Um, you could have a hundred dollars worth of cell phone bills, and that changes how much we can afford. And then it also shows, are they paying those bills on time as well? Um, so again, the more data, the better from a dealer and a lender perspective, as it will help, one, the consumer experience on the dealer lot, and then two, it will help a lender get more comfortable as lenders have been tightening recently. Not all lenders, but some lenders have been tightening where they'll go on the credit side. Um, it will allow them to feel more comfortable maybe doing some buying a customer that has a FICO a little bit lower than what they're normally used to buying because they can see that they're on the way up, they're paying their all of their bills, and they have the income to support paying, making that payment. It would seem then more data would make this job easier when, when you're talking about making good decisions, reducing risk. Um, but you still see you know, fraud out there. I think you know, the fraudsters are getting more sophisticated as well. And so is it just a matter of, you know, using data as much as you can to kind of stay one step ahead of the bad actors out there. Yeah, there's always going to be bad actors. Um, you know, they do it for a reason and they, they typically are very good at it. So yes, using that data can also help you triangulate identity as well. So you can, if we know there's who their cell phone provider is and their cell, we can also triangulate that. Yes, that cell phone matches that consumer um, that email address matches that consumer. Um, and from pay stubs, we can say that address matches that consumer. So yes, we can help prevent fraud as well. And then you could also use it just from the front end, from a dealership's perspective and targeting customers um, and getting them to the lot by saying, you know, this customer can afford my Highline vehicle while this customer might be better suited for um, something that's a little bit less expensive. As we've kind of been reading in the in the papers uh, for a while now, you know, the inflation, uh, the economies, you know, we don't know where it's quite going to go in 2023, and there are you know concerns about inflation, and so that then factors into who can afford to, who's going to you know pay pay that loan, and how does data help you know companies understand you know which consumers are going to be able to kind of weather any kind of economic storm. Yeah, so like like you mentioned, the economy is very uncertain right now. We do know that inflation is high and interest rates are high, and that's not likely to change in the next 30, 60, 90 days, right? So how do we 
get more consumers approved and get them in the right vehicle to start with. So we built a score called financial durability, which looks at a consumer's wealth and asset data along with their um, income to be able to predict how likely that household can withstand added economic pressures. And we update that every six months. And then again, the, what, the income and employment data um, can show you tenure. It can show you even previous year's income compared to this year's income so that you understand, are they, you know, are they still gainfully employed? Are they still making an income that they're used to? Or has it gone down um, because they had to change jobs or, or whatnot? So again, having all of that data and having it at your fingertips is critical in making sure that you're helping consumers, one, but two, getting them in the right loan and making sure that it will perform for the lenders at the end of the day. All right. One last question for you. For the F&I managers out there listening in or their bosses listening in, how should F&I managers you know, be leveraging data analytics to you know, kind of the better spot, you know, the right opportunities with car shoppers? Again, I think it starts with the targeting part, right? So you can start with understanding which consumers are in the market, one, and two, can't afford the vehicles that you're selling. And then once you once you get them into the dealership and using, again, the, the income and employment data to understand, yes, they're employed. Yes, they make $6,000 a month. They should be able to afford a $400 payment against all, and they're credit worthy. So yes, we can get them into this vehicle. Or if they're making $30,000 a year and they're looking at a $100,000 vehicle, maybe you want to ship them down, you know, um, from the get-go so that it's a little bit less painful, right? So that income employment data, using wealth and asset data up front to help target customers are all ways that dealerships can, can use that to gain more customers. And ultimately, the ultimate goal is to move more cars off the lot, right? Brett, appreciate all the uh, insight and information and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Brett Collette is vice president of the auto lending vertical at Equifax. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lindsey Van Hulley, Lawrence Iliff, and David Phillips for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on sales, EV tax credits, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about the U.S. sales battle between GM and Toyota. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.